Shining a light on autism and life on the spectrum. Welcome to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. A podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism. And now, here's your neurologically different host, Orion Kelly. Welcome and thank you for listening to my friend Autism. I'm Orion, I'm autistic, but what's critical to understand is that I'm just one person on the autism spectrum. So if you've met one person on the spectrum, well, you've met one person on the spectrum. No two autistic people are the same. We have individual strengths and challenges. And my purpose is to empower you with knowledge, education and growth opportunities through open, honest and engaging conversations on autism. This podcast seeks to break down stigmas and misconceptions around autism while providing real insights into life on the spectrum. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Join the conversation now at the Orion Kelly Facebook page. Super excited. My guest on this episode, I'm a big fan of his work. It's Paul from Asperger's from the Inside. Paul, thank you so much for chatting. How are you? Now, I obviously am a fan of your work. It's fantastic. I love the the YouTube videos and I love the, the content you're putting out. But for those that may be unaware of you and your journey, tell us a bit about how you realised and was diagnosed uh, autistic. Uh, yeah, so about five years ago now, um, I realized I was on the spectrum. Um, I like to use the word discovered because it wasn't something that was put on to me by someone else, by a medical professional uh, or by friends and family. I was reading a book and I resonated so much with the main character that I went and then sought to get involved in the autism community talk to a psychologist and, and kick off the process from there. So it was a, a big revelation in my life, a big positive revelation that answered a lot of questions that I'd always had but never really been able to articulate very well. And I was inspired to, to start a blog sharing Asperger's from the inside, the human side of autism, because I, I kind of felt like that was the reason that it took me so long to, to find out I was on the spectrum because I, I just hadn't heard of what it actually looks like in real life. I'd, I'd seen things in TV shows and movies and I'd read things in medical textbooks and it just didn't resonate with me. But as soon as I started participating in the, the autistic community, attending support groups, attending social meetups, meeting other people on the spectrum, it made perfect sense because what I saw in those people was just a, a completely different side of what is essentially the same thing. Just out of curiosity, I'd love to know uh, the title of that book that you read. What was that book that you read? Oh, okay. Sorry, it was, uh, it's an autobiography um, called Look Me in the Eye by um, John um, Albert Robertson. I've heard it, yeah. Then that, okay, awesome. Some people just listen and they go, oh, I wonder, I, I wish he asked what that book was, so I've done it for those people that are wondering. Now, with the aha moments, it's funny because, like you say, you were in a situation where 
the realization hadn't come, but you presumably you felt something wasn't right or working or in, in the way you, you functioned in the world and you had these moments, but as you say, which I completely agree with, very little to, to go on to help you. I mean, I'm the same. I was diagnosed as an adult, which means I was born autistic, but for you know, half my life pretty much, you know, I didn't actually know why I didn't fit in. I thought I was just a bad person and I just thought, you know, I wasn't meant to be someone that had friends or was good at interactions or I just felt like I didn't even fit in with my own family. And, and these kind of realisations, when they, they come from those moments, obviously, uh, for me, extraordinarily freeing it's it's amazing honestly it sounds simple but it's amazing for me to just know that I'm not a bad person Um, but from your point of view those aha moments did you find prior to finding out you're autistic did you like me did you find normal everyday things interactions and those types of things like you were speaking a different language or struggled with those I mean how did you how did you find life prior to that that diagnosis yeah, so that's a, that's a good question. From a, from a very young age, it was pretty obvious that I was a bit different and I just didn't have any answers to that. And it's common to assume that everyone should be like you, right? It's called theory, theory of mind. It's a, it's a big way that we learn about the world. And when I did that as a child, I made I, I got the answer wrong because I assumed everyone else was like me when actually that was not a very good assumption to make. And I actually remember um, coming home from school one day, at, I think I must have been about six years old, realizing with this huge realization that other people had a very different experience of school than I did. So my experience of school was I was bored out of my skull for 95% of the time. And that day, for some reason, I realized that the reason we're going through this stuff is because it's what the other people need to actually learn it. So it wasn't what was interesting to me. And I was fortunate that I was gifted, you know, academically, which definitely took a lot of pressure off a lot of things. You can get by in the world. Um, There's a lot of privilege that comes with um, being gifted, you know, in the stereotypical things that society values, like, you know, maths and English and schoolwork. So realizing that other people were not like me was as far as I got to, to figuring out, you know, what was different about me. It didn't, I, I had it, I was looking at it from the completely other perspective. I think what's really relatable to that for me is your special interest, my special interest, everyone's is different. And for me, I loved communicating. I loved entertaining. So while in classes that were a little bit arbitrary for you. For me, I, my, what I would do is I would just constantly make jokes or be, the, be a clown and I would be constantly kind of getting in trouble because that was all I could really do to find some sort of enjoyment in, in schooling. And that's what led me to my, you know, my special interest in, in communication and entertaining and that's why I got into radio and do you know, podcasts and all that kind of stuff. But for you, I know you've spoken about how you know emotional intelligence uh, has really been a, a special interest of yours for really your your lifetime. So how have you actually incorporated emotional intelligence and the the knowledge and expertise you've gained on that in your journey as an autistic person? And I guess helping yourself because I know you're helping others now. But for starters, how did you get to that to help you overcome challenges? Yeah, so I've had an interest in what I now call emotional intelligence um, for as long as I can remember. 
um, Daniel Goleman popularized the term in 1995. So pre- prior to 1995, we didn't really have a term that meant all of those things. So I can remember being in kindergarten, you know, three years old and thinking intellectually, what do I need to do to play with the other kids? How do I figure this out? You know, and, and analyzing it from a, from a very intellectual perspective. And part of the reason that I, I didn't get diagnosed until later was because that intellectual giftedness um, led me towards engineering and led me to others who also had a very analytical view of the world. And so I just thought, oh, I'm, I'm a natural problem solver, I'm an engineer, I'm not, I'm not on the spectrum necessarily, it's just my, my way of being. Whereas now I realize that I was going about those problems in a completely different way to everyone else around me. The, the, the other three-year-olds were not consciously thinking, what do I need to do to play with the other kids? They were just following their instincts and their instincts were right socially most of the time. Whereas my instincts were quote unquote wrong most of the time. <laughs> so following them got me in trouble, got me excluded um, and, and didn't really serve me very well. So I had to figure out what the system was and I took a very intellectual problem solving approach to kind of cracking the emotional code. And ironically, the answer that I eventually came to is that you can't use thinking and you can't use your brain to get emotions right. There's actually two parts of our brain. I'm obviously massively oversimplifying, but our brain has an emotional center. And when we learn how to utilize that emotional center, then um, that can be a a powerful um, way to unlock all of these emotional intelligence skills when when we use the intellect to realize how those things work. Yeah, so I was very interested in cracking the emotional code, as it were, and I spent decades doing that with very, very little success until one day I was thrown in the deep end socially at school you can look up my story, my, my dreadlock story on my blog if you want to hear a little bit more about that. Um, but basically, overnight, I, I changed my hairstyle and suddenly I had all of these friends. And I had no idea what to do with friends. But because I was in the moment, I was forced to just use a bit of trial and error. And I didn't have time to try and analyze everything intellectually. Um, and ironically, that sort of kick-started me on a different section of my journey where practice and trial and error was more important than the analytical um, little anthropologist style of trying to figure things out from the outside. And then finally, once I'd had enough experience, I could then bring the intellectual side back on board. And now I've developed um, a full model of how emotions work, essentially. I've got an emotional, uh, emotional feedback flow chart that I talk about in my, in my course, and I use the understanding of what's going on from a very kind of process-oriented engineering <laughs> type, um, type of person that I am to explain and understand what's actually going on because that's the thing that no one taught me when I was little. People would say things like, oh, just, just be yourself, Right, that was useless <laughs> advice. <laughs> they would they would say, "Oh, just do whatever you feel like. Just just make it up. Just you'll be fine." You, you know, no, I was not fine. I was failing miserably because none of my instincts were giving the right social answers 
Instead, what I would have benefited from is someone explaining to me how this social system worked and how the other people around me, you know, what, what they were doing and, and why all of these seemingly insignificant social rules that I didn't know about, why they were actually important. Isn't that amazing, though, that you know, to hear that comment, like, just be yourself, and then I, I think about how many times I've spoken to people about how tiring it is to mask, as in to, to play a, a person that will please or keep the peace with neurotypical people, and then by the time you get home, you, you're just completely shot, and you're just a, sometimes you can, you can just be all over the place, and it's really yeah. interesting because... Your your learning and your your way of teaching and your course sounds completely fascinating because for me I I don't know if I'll ever be able to get myself out of my brain. That's how I think, and then I also think, mm. you know, like I, the chimp paradox book, the whole human and chimp part of your brain, right? And trying to you know trying to allow the chimp to to express things and have the human part of the brain to still be able to control that. It's tricky. I, I don't even know if that's something that I'm able to do if the chimp paradox is a neurotypical book or because in my mind, I find it extraordinarily hard to ever, I can hear advice and I can hear the learning of it, but then I wonder how mm. will I ever, that seems like in a way something I can watch or I can and, read, and, and, I can and, observe. And that's a very common experience for those of us on the spectrum because this in our head intellectual way of doing things comes so much more naturally and the other way is more difficult. We tend to do the way that is easy and comes naturally, obviously, because it's easy and it comes naturally. So we do it more and we get better and better and better at it. But if we forget the emotional side of it, then we end up, in terms of executive functioning, we have a limited amount of resources. And, and maybe we've had the experience where we, we seem fine on the outside until we run out of those mental resources. And then all of a sudden, I don't have the energy and the brain space and the concentration to do all these complex social calculations and just everything falls apart. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the ASPE intellectual way is a, a very inefficient use of energy, which is why so many of us struggle with energy. For anyone who's interested in, in reading up on this, there's a great book called Thinking Fast and Slow. And interestingly, the intellectual higher sort of cognitive brain states are the slow version. It's the emotional side that is the fast gut instinct, answer straight away, don't even think about it, um, part of our brain. Um, and it's actually, we don't, it's not an either or situation. That we get the best results when we use both of these systems in our brain together in the right moment. You've talked about this inability for people, certainly me, to kind of get out of our brain. And I would say as a result of focusing on what I'm good at and not kind of worrying about the emotional intelligence side of things, I just have no friends. When I say I have no friends, I'm not overdoing it to make a point. You know, like uh, yeah. relationships have broken down. I, you know, I've never, I've never been fired because I've done something that anyone would be fired for. But my reputation in, you know, in the industry I work in, but because I was, because I hadn't been diagnosed, was I'm not a good fit, or I'm not a team player, or I'm not the, the kind of person that they would want around because they just think I was a bad employee when really I was just from time to time having, you know, autistic 
Aspie moments. And for me personally, sometimes I think my life is just a write-off and all I, all I should do is just try and advocate so my six-year-old Aspie autistic son can have a better life than me. Yeah. And, and my life is written off. That's kind of what I think, to be honest with you, Paul. So it's devastating, but it's, well, also, it's also for me, I feel like it's not something I can, I can turn around. And you, you know about this, you've experienced this yourself, but you actually believe that we can actually improve by learning yeah. emotional intelligence in a structured way. Do you, do you think my life's a write-off? So the, the devastating truth, as you said, is that this is a really common story and it's a really sad, common story that we hear all the time um, around broken relationships, not being able to hold down a job, failing to fit in and, and not making those kind of connections. The really good news is that you can improve those things um, and we just need to break out of our natural tendencies of black and white thinking. Um, so, again, with the, with the analytical brain, it's easy to get into uh, – the habit of black and white thinking and the way out of that is to realize like an analogy that I use is yes you're right everything is black and white however if you have a grayscale image it's actually made up of little tiny black and white pieces so um, we, we can be black and white in some little things but overall it's a much more complicated picture yes um, which which essentially means that I don't want to be so completely myself that I don't care what anybody else thinks and I'm going to do things no matter what the consequences are. That's the just be yourself advice. And most of us have tried that at least once and we know that we know the consequences. It tends to be social isolation and not getting along with anyone. Utter rejection. Um, Utter rejection. Utter rejection in, in every sense of the word. The opposite is also is just as bad. The opposite is masking to the point and fitting into the point that you have to cut your left arm off just to fit into this little social box, yeah. which you're never happy with. And ironically, the the stronger your mask is, the more rejection you feel because you think, well, they only accept the mask. Yes. If they could see the real me, they would reject me. Yes. So both of those ways are equally prone to this um, pattern of rejection. It's resentment or rejection, basically. Yeah, resentment in advance that, that leads to the, to the rejection. So it's challenging because we, we tend to oscillate between both of those things. Um, but I guess the, the good news is that we can learn these things and the, the fundamental reason why they've been so hard in the past is because we just are not taught these skills. We're not taught emotional intelligence. We're not taught the why behind social skills um, and, and social interaction. Most neurotypicals actually don't know why we have the social rules in place. They're just programmed to follow them all the time and not think about them. It turns out there are lots of really good reasons we have social rules in place. And when you understand what they are, you can make an intelligent choice of which of the social rules am I going to follow and when, and which of the ones am I not going to follow because they're actually not that important. When we just don't follow any of them, there are really serious consequences for not following any of the social rules, rejection, social isolation, all the things that we, we discussed earlier. 
Yeah. However, we can't follow all of them blindly either. So when when we understand, and I keep using this word of understanding, it gives us the power to make choices about what version of my authentic self am I going to be in this situation. Yeah, and and to me, in a way, it kind of sounds like learning the language and the law of a foreign country you're about to travel to, except on a more important scale. It's kind of, it's really interesting because as you say, you you can just feel disheartened, but to for you to articulate it in a way that will make sense to the way our brains work and then for us to kind of learn it like, here are the, the hacks to the rules that they go by and here's yep. how you can understand them and make the most of them. It makes it makes total yep. sense. And just so everyone's clear, I'm talking to Paul from Asperger's from the inside in the year 2020. When you're listening in 2040, you won't be able to sign up for the webinar coming up. But of course, by then he might have, uh, you know, God knows what he'll be doing in 2040. But nevertheless, because it's a podcast, Paul, people can listen at any time. But I want to talk, I want to talk about an amazing, a free emotional intelligence webinar that you're doing very soon. So can you tell us a bit about it? What, what are we going to learn? And how can we get involved? Yeah, so I, I run an emotional intelligence course online that's a self-guided course, an EQ 101 course um, that you can do it at any time. Um, and we've got a, a webinar coming up on, on the 13th of July, uh, which is um, an introduction of, of how to learn emotional intelligence. So it's a word that gets thrown around a lot. Not a lot of people really have a good understanding of what emotional intelligence actually is. So we go through a, a couple of definitions there um, with lots of examples. And the key learning from that particular webinar is how do we go about getting better at these skills? Because they are skills just like any other. They need practice. And it's easy to think that I can't do something if I've never tried. It's easy to think I can't do something if I have tried, but I, I tried in completely the wrong way because no one showed me how to do it. But all of a sudden, if you've got someone showing you what to do, if you've got a coach, if you've got a teacher, you can learn these things. Or at the very least, I, I don't like to exaggerate. So my promise is, if you practice, you will get better. Yeah, which makes sense. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, it, and because I, I like statements that cannot possibly be you can argue. You can argue with me all you want, but I'm, I'm, I can guarantee that if you practice, you'll get better. <laughs> well, and I think that, I think that's I think that's a good statement to make. Well done. And I, you know, it's it's very interesting because I hear this from uh, my own uh, personal psychologist, who I talk to from time to time, who's just fantastic. And sometimes when I I say, well, I'm the reason why this I'm like this is because I'm autistic, and then she might say something like, you can't always just use that as an excuse to not learn or grow. Is, and I feel like in a way that's what you're saying too. Is, is, that, is that kind of fair enough that I can't just say, well, Paul, I'm autistic. This is how I, how I interact. Uh, so I'm not going to get better or learn new things because I can just say I'm autistic. And you're saying, well, you are. That's right. But I can actually help you learn new things that might actually be beneficial to you. I would actually take that one step further. You cannot learn or grow unless you leverage your autism and understand what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So, um, I, again, a big, a big reason that a lot of us feel like we suck at these things is because we've listened to the generic advice that works for 99% of neurotypical people and probably has not worked for you. Yeah. 
And when we take really good advice that everyone else recommends and it doesn't work, it's easy to blame ourselves and think, oh, well, I must have done it wrong or I must not be good at this. But when you understand your own autism when you, and, and what that means for you and you um, get a, a sense of, of who you are and who, what you want to be as a person, that is the cornerstone of then going ahead and learning the, the kind of skills that you want to maintain relationships, get a job, keep a job, manage your own mental health, all of these really crucial life skills that we can't do without. Um, they, they stem from first understanding and leveraging our autistic nature. For details specifically on the webinar, is it fair to say people can go to the Asperger's from the Inside Facebook page? Is that one of the good places to, to go and get more details? So um, in terms of the, if you're interested in emotional intelligence stuff, the, the best place to go is emotionsexplained.com.au. Great. So I, I confused myself a little bit before by mentioning the, the course and then mentioning the free webinar. The reason I did that is because there's a, a complimentary webinar series for all enrolled students that starts with that free webinar that's open to the public. Yeah. So um, if, you, if you are interested in doing the emotional intelligence course um, and you want to make use of this complimentary webinar, then come along to the to the free webinar to see what it's all about, um, and you'll have the opportunity to to participate in a, in a further webinar series if you'd like to go through the course. Give us the website one more time. Emotionsexplained.com.au. Great! It sounds amazing. It sounds fantastic. Great resource. Um, and in terms in terms of my other work that people might be interested in, um, the the main one is the YouTube channel of Asperger's from the Inside. There's, there's a huge amount of content on that, um, including some emotional intelligence um, content uh, and you know how to deal with rejection and things like that. Also, um, I, I run something more for helping parents understand their autistic children called autismexplained.com.au. I wanted to talk about all those socials. There's some fantastic resources that you just, uh, just uh, mentioned, Autism Explained. That's fantastic. And as is the YouTube stuff, for me personally, my core passions are making podcasts and making videos. And I like to write um, blogs from time to time because I've got a six-year-old autistic son. So that tends to be um, you know relatively entertaining stories to write about. But I've just been uh, so grateful to be able to watch your videos. They're, they're fantastic and there's a, there's a heap of them. They've been going for uh, ages and you have an extraordinary audience. And like you said before, it's really interesting, isn't it, that we are relying on regular everyday autistics to just set up their, their study or whatever, make podcasts and videos to actually explain to the world that we aren't Rain Man or we aren't the good doctor or, or whatever. It's really interesting that it's being really put, put upon you know, our shoulders to create that level of understanding. And I guess that's, that's really the focus from, from me watching your videos. It really, you really try to be as, as you know, brutally honest and as open as you, as you can on your journey and your experience on how you feel. Yeah, it's all about sharing the human side of autism, uh, which is something I, I come back to in my, my autism training a lot. There's the medical side of autism that is useful if you're a doctor or, or a diagnostician or something. And then there's the human side of autism which is much more useful if you're wanting to relate to a human autistic person or raise in a human autistic person in the case of a parent. So the best way to understand the human side of autism is to meet 
lots of different autistic people. So I try and feature different people on my channel. I, we had a blog series of personal diagnosis stories uh, on my on my written blog, AspergersFromTheInside.com. And we are making a, a significant difference to how the world understands autism and it's, and it's coming from autistic people themselves. So that's something that I'm really happy to be a part of. Yeah, it's fantastic. Before I let you go, there's a couple of things that I'm kind of getting a bit confused about. As obviously, you've had a diagnosis well before me, but I feel like sometimes I'm getting a bit of heat from other autistic people for saying or referring to myself as an Aspie. I'm getting a bit of negativity and a bit of heat. And also, there seems to be confusion between am I Orion who has autism or am I Orion and I'm autistic? Now, my opinion is. Um, everyone should just be comfortable to do what they want. From my point of view, I'm Orion and I'm autistic. I don't have autism like, uh, let's say, like a gay person doesn't have gayness. They're gay. Yeah, um, makes sense. What's your take on saying I'm an Aspie? And am I am I am I being rude? Is there some there was some sort of bad German connection, or I shouldn't? That's not that's sexist now. Or it, I'm just very confused why we're getting so hung up on what people like to say yeah. about themselves. <laughs> So quick teaching point from an emotional intelligence point of view, if someone gets offended by what you say, there is, it's mostly to do with where they are coming from and the, um, what they have, meaning they've put on the word. So, for example, if someone doesn't like the word Aspie, it's, it's probably because they've heard it used in a lot of negative ways. Maybe they associate it with negative um, behavior of, you know, in the Nazi times um, from, from the Hans Asperger history. Or maybe they've heard it used by some people to say, well, I'm not autistic, I'm an Aspie and I'm somehow better than you because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm clever and I'm a gift to humanity and I'm all of these positive things. I'm not like, you know, you other autistic people and, you know, using it in a negative way like that. Yeah. When someone has that reaction, my reaction to that reaction is to validate that completely and, and say, you are allowed to not like that word. That's fine. However, at the same time, I get to choose what word I use to define myself. Right. So if you want to call yourself an Aspie, then great. If you would prefer to call yourself autistic or prefer to say with autism or on the spectrum, I personally would interchange between all of those terms. And, and I almost do that on purpose to show that I personally don't really care and they're all about the same for me. But it's important to listen to a person's personal preference on how they would like to identify themselves. Awesome. Well, before we let you go, one last opportunity, because we've all just got a free lesson. So thank you very much. Everyone listening is going, thank God for Paul. That was, a, that was an amazing lesson. I've actually written it down. So I'll remember that from now on. That's going to save me a lot of anger, I think, Paul. But before before you go, tell us all the ways we can connect with you and get in touch with you. Yep. Um, so you can check out my YouTube channel called Asperger's From The Inside. Um, for emotional intelligence and relationship coaching, um, I do a lot of work uh, with people who have a partner who's on the spectrum. Um, you can check out emotionsexplained.com.au. Um, and if you're a parent uh, or a teacher looking to understand autistic children, um, then we've got an Autism Explained Facebook page and autismexplained.com.au as well. So we ran a, a massive online summit uh, last year, which we'll be doing again this year. 
Um, and that's another fantastic way to get autistic voices out into the public. Fantastic. And, and my neurotypical wife listening, you better contact uh, Paul and get some details as soon as possible for yourself. Thanks. Uh, okay. Well, it was, it was just a fascinating chat. I really did enjoy it, Paul. Thank you so much for your time. It was amazing. No worries. Thanks for having me. My guest on this episode was Paul from Asperger's from the Inside. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Online at orionkelly.com.au. Thank you so much for listening to My Friend Autism. I really do appreciate it. Now, if the episode has resonated with you, well, I'd love it if you'd share it with your family and friends so we can reach more people. And if you'd like to continue the conversation, suggest a topic or area of autism to explore, or you just want to say hey, you can like the Orion Kelly Facebook page. You can send me a message via my website. That's orionkelly.com.au. That's O-R-I-O-N-K-E-L-L-Y.com.au. This podcast is here to break down stigmas and misconceptions around autism while providing real insights into life on the spectrum and together we can make the world a better place for autistic people. All I'm asking is for you to open your hearts and minds to people a little bit different to you and embrace the benefits of neurodiversity. Until next time, thanks for opening your minds and embracing differences. You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion and never miss an episode. Like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook or visit orionkelly.com.au.